Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Are you guys in Matthew 25, 14? We're going to focus on one, one aspect. I'm still not making any promises, but I'm going to shoot for that. <laughs> one, uno, one, one aspect of our words. All right. For the kingdom of heaven, basically for the kingdom of heaven, this is, this is your eternal reality. That's all it means. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them, made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you gave me five talents, and look, I gained five more besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also had received, he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you gave me two and look what I did with them. I gained two more besides them. The Lord said the same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few. I'll make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received one talent came and said, See, this guy was listening to lies. Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Was that true? No. He'd been listening to people. He'd been accepting their advice, saying all kinds of garbage about him. Wasn't even true. He believed it and he acted on it. Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown. And gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And then he yielded to fear. And went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. So he's handing it back to him. But his Lord answered and said, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap. He's saying, you thought that I was this big jerk. You thought that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So at least you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It gets really real right there. We can't ignore that. So one really, really big job that we have is to steward our words. 
Are we stewarding our words? Stewarding just means managing what God gave us. Now, we, we're like these guys. Everyone's got different abilities, different talents, different things the Lord has graced us with. We're only responsible with what he's given us. Now, it does say he who has will be given more. And when you're faithful, you, he will bless you with more ability, more talent. He's so good like that. You're not tapped out. Oh, well, I'm only good at this, and you're forever going to be like that. I can tell you from experience that that's just not true. Um, things that, that I've been faithful with, I'd say probably every six years or so, I'll, something will just land on the inside of me, like an ability to do something I had never had been able to do before. And it's the Lord's grace. He's saying, okay. Here's more, here's more, here's more. You're not tapped out. You can grow. He'll give you more things to be faithful with. Amen. He's just good that way. He wants things to be, he wants you to grow. He wants you to be continually stepping out in faith, growing and learning and doing all the things, doing something with all the things that he's given you. Amen. But one of the easiest, no matter who you are, what you're called to, One of the easiest, easiest, easiest things, but something that we will have to give an answer for is what are we doing with our words? What are we doing with our words that he gave us? What are we doing with his words? Are we, you know, the world tends to, and I told this to the youth, the world tends to just use our words to socialize or just shoot the breeze around the water cooler, um, And we have to stop and say, and purposefully think about, am I using my words the way the Lord's wanted me to? Our words are powerful, and we need to make sure that we are stewarding our words. Amen? Now, I'm not saying don't, I'm not saying don't socialize, don't have fun. I'm not saying don't joke. I'm just saying, if that's all you do, Check up on yourself and make sure that's not all that you're using your words for. Amen? You know, we steward our time. We're careful with our time. We don't put our time into everything. We steward our money. We're careful with it. We need to be even more stewards of our words. Amen? So that's just the introduction. What I want to focus on is making our words work for us, making our words accomplish, using our words to accomplish, okay? So turn to Isaiah 55. In today's culture, our words words are used, I think, more than ever to just comment. (laughs) Just comment, comment on everything. And like I said, I'm not... You know, don't go overboard and be like, I can't say anything. (laughs) You can comment. You can comment on things. But there's this overabundance, and it's easy to fall into just commenting on everything. Um, Even, like, say something goes wrong. You're working on a project in the house. It's, It's just, 
it's natural, it's human nature, and it's part of our culture growing up to just comment and be like, wow, that stinks. Well, I mean, I'm going to get into it more. But we tend to, I don't want to get ahead of myself, we tend to just comment on things. Wow, that's stupid. You know, you might not always say that out loud, but you're saying it to yourself or you might say it out loud. I don't know. But we tend to comment. We tend to reflect with our words. Um, Sometimes we attack with our words. You know, we use our words in a lot of ways. But we need to use them the way God intended, the way God used his words. Our words are powerful. They're meant to accomplish. They're meant to do something. Amen. Isaiah 55. Let's look at a couple of scriptures that explain it a little bit better. For Isaiah 55, 10. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. It shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Turn to Psalms 33. God sent his word and it produced. And this is a beautiful script. That in Isaiah, it's a beautiful scripture to show you. He sent his word, it did not return, and it produced and it accomplished. We can do the exact same thing. Psalms 33, 9. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Turn to Matthew 8, 8. So if he did it that way, and then... It, very, he, it goes back to the beginning in Genesis. It's exactly what God did. It doesn't say anywhere that he took his hands and he shaped the earth, shaped Adam and Eve. It says he spoke. He spoke everything. And we're like him. We're supposed to be like him. We're supposed to act like him. We're supposed to do the same thing with our words. We're supposed to be using them to accomplish, to create, to make change that needs to happen, happen in our lives, happen around us. Amen? Matthew 8. So check out the centurion in this this scripture. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word. He was talking to Jesus. He said, only speak a word and my servant will be healed. And for time's sake, I'm not going to read the rest of it. You guys know the story. Jesus marveled over his faith and was like, wow, I haven't seen that anywhere. And he was like, go, you know, it's done. He spoke the word. He didn't even go to the house and lay hands on the guy. He was healed. That guy, he understood. The centurion, he knew the scriptures. He knew. He had to have known. He had to have read Genesis. He had to have seen and read. He knew there was power in words. This guy, so long ago. I mean, Jesus is such a beautiful example. Speaking, doing. Speaking, doing. Over and over and over. This is what we do. This is how we are supposed to do it. But, and this guy's meeting Jesus. 
He gets to be here when Jesus shows up. I mean, amazing. And he recognized. He, rec- he knew. He knew. This is how God does things. This is his example. Just speak the word. It'll be done. And it was. Amen. Jesus used his words. So turn to 1 Samuel 17. We're going to go back. I have a couple, two examples of people who made their words work for them in a really epic way. So we all know the story of David and Goliath. Awesome story. I've literally, I don't know how many times I've read it, and I will go back and almost every single time I read it, I find something new. I mean, there's so much. I mean, it's, it's, it's an epic story. Just period. It's, it's amazing. But there's a lot, a lot in it, a lot of detail in it. So 1 Samuel 17, 45. Then David said to the Philistine, <clears throat> You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. He, he was looking at this guy. He had all three. <laughs> like, where did he even put it? <laughs> How do you hold a sword, a spear, and a javelin? I mean, I don't even know. As if this guy wasn't big and scary enough as it is. They said he was huge. He, I, I think somebody translated how tall he was. It was like nine or ten feet. And he's got all the armor. And then he's holding all these weapons. I mean, my Lord. He had everything. But, but, I love that but in there. David had a different weapon, amen, and he'd used it before. He knew, he knew, he knew he had something to top all of that, all of those weapons, all of that armor. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. He's saying what he wants to see happen. I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. Now he's trashing him. He's trashing his weapons. I like it. Does not save a sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And so it was. I'm going to stop there. So it was. He used his words. David knew. He knew the power of the word. He knew his God, but he also knew the power of the word. He had done this before. David did not... Just say, here I am one day. I think I'm going to go do something epic and show up on that field. No. 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 He had practiced this before. He had done this before. He watched the sheep. And previously, I think it's in 1736, he, he says when he was talking to... I believe it's Saul, and he's trying to convince him, hey, let me do this. I've done this before. He said, your servant has killed both lion and bear, 
This Philistine will be like one of them. So he was saying it before he got out on the field. But I just picture him, you know, back watching the sheep when he was younger. And he was, he had to have been reading the scriptures. He knew his God. He knew to be that bold and get out there. He knew. He wasn't neglecting reading the word, number one. (laughs) Number two, he knew how powerful the spoken word was. Number three, he, when a coyote or actually it says a lion or a bear, whatever it was, came and took one of his sheep that he was responsible for, he ran after it. He went after it and killed it. He knew what he was doing. He, I, I can almost guarantee he used that same slingshot. He was probably out there before it ever showed up practicing with that thing. So... It's not like he just showed up one day and was like, I'm going to try a thing today <laughs> when Goliath showed up on the field. No. He knew his God. He was prepared ahead of time. He'd prepared his heart, and he'd used his words before, and this was just another step up in his, in his level of growth and what God had for him. He was just moving up, moving up into something bigger, but it was something that he'd done before. Amen. So turn to Mark 5.25. So I don't even know. I don't have a ton of time. But um, when I decided that I was going to move here, I had got back into fellowship with the Lord. And I was still in college. I was a senior going to University of Pittsburgh. And I got back in fellowship with the Lord. And... I knew I had visited my sister at the church, and I knew that I wanted to come here because I had visited a few churches, and I couldn't find anything that just sat right with me, and I knew I was going to come here. And I was running into a little bit of a problem. So I needed to go to UF. I mean, I was going to do whatever it took. I didn't care. Honestly, (laughs) if I didn't even get my degree, I didn't care. I I had found God again, and I was so excited, and I'm like, I'm going to make this happen. But I only had two more classes, so I'm going to do what I can to make this happen, you know. And I I just didn't want to stay any longer. I didn't want to stay a whole other semester and not be in church or be in a flaky church, and I don't even have time to go into some of the stuff I found up there. It was crazy. But um, so... I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? Who do I need to talk to? And I find out that there's like a guidance person at the school that I need to talk to and get her approval to be able to come to UF and have those credits transfer and, you know, everything's qualified and okay. And so go back about a year. Um, I had met with this lady And I went into her office, and it was kind of like a routine checkup on where you're at with all your credits and everything. And she was like, oh, you're going to have to do a whole other semester because you are not on track. Like, for some reason, you don't have all the classes that qualify. Somewhere along the way, I had picked something that did not qualify for my degree. And so she tells me this. And, okay, this is when I was, like, really backslidden. I pretty much reamed her out. I was awful awful to this woman awful it's like i can't believe this you know like 
this is your job. You're supposed to, you know, it was awful. <laughs> I was rude. I was mean. I was spoiled rotten. I was everything to this lady. It was just, I was a real, real, real jerk. And I'm pretty sure that I stormed out because I was like, oh, you know, I'm graduating at this time. And I had all these plans. And then I find out I've got to go a whole nother term. And, you know, I'm like, I was just so upset. And I took it out on this lady. So I get back in fellowship with the Lord. And then I find out what I need to do to come down here. And then they tell me, well, you have to go to this person. (laughs) And get her approval to be able to come down here. And I find out, lo and behold, it's her. Like, oh my gosh. Got to be kidding me. Got to be kidding me. Like, this is mortifying. And, and anyway, so make a long story short, you know, I prayed about it. Repented big time, big time. Shoo, that was the first step. And then I used my words. I said, I, <laughs> I am getting down here. <laughs> I'm going to get my degree and I'm going to get down here. I'm going to get an UF and get these classes taken care of. There's not going to be any issues, any problems. And this was like one of my first, for me, big steps of faith. Like this is going to happen. I don't care how. And I knew she's going to, I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm going to walk in there. She's going to take one look at me and have this like reject stamp and just be like, bam, no, get out of my office. You rude little girl. And I would have deserved it. Absolutely. And so that's kind of what I'm picturing. So I had to just keep saying, you know, you know, this is going to happen for me. She's going to approve it. So I go in her office and sit down and she... I mean, she was so nice to me, like over and abundantly. She was just all business before. She had a doctorate and she was just real smart, but very busy, just just all business. Not she didn't crack a smile the first time. I mean, and of course when I was so rude, you know, I wasn't gonna get one that way at all. But I mean, even when I just walked in, very serious lady, she was all smiles. I mean, it was like Jesus had walked in and gave her a big hug or something. So, so nice to me. I mean, it was amazing. And she was so helpful. I just walked out after it was all over and and was like, yes, you know, what I'm learning works. (laughs) Because, you know, I didn't deserve any of that. But anyway, I was just so excited. So, so excited to see the Word of God working you know, what little I knew and had learned up to that point, I put it into action and saw it work, you know, in an amazing way. And then, you know, I got to come down here. I was so excited. But All right. Are you in Mark 5, 25? So the other person that I picked out of, you know, there's loads of people in the Bible who use the words powerfully. Um, I picked out David and then I picked out this woman. It says, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. Now, you know, back then, physicians, I mean, they probably did experimental stuff on people. I mean, they didn't know what they know today. So she, I'm sure she suffered. She had spent all, and probably happy to take her money. She'd spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Now, that's depressing and awful. 
This woman had a hard, hard time. Now she heard about Jesus. As soon as she heard about him and what he was doing, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? He knew he could feel that power going out into her. You know, she, she had a hard time. You know, everything in her was pressuring her to say the complete opposite, to say, oh, this sucks. You know, I'm tired. You know how weak you would be if you had that problem? Weak? She could have been like, I'm scared because she apparently with the rules and the customs of that time wasn't really supposed to be around people, considered unclean. She could have been like just expressing how she felt Everything in her, I guarantee you, her words were being pressured, (laughs) pressured by the devil to continue to say, this is awful, I'm miserable, this is going to be a really hard trip, all of it, I'm exhausted, I'm dizzy, what am I going to do if this happens, what am I going to do if I get everything, there's such pressure on her to say the wrong thing. You know, and she's, she's on a course. She's been on this course for 12 years. She's, she's on the sickness course. It's like the sea of sickness. If she had continued to say all those things that she felt like saying and conceded to all that pressure, because the devil's going to pressure you to say what you feel. For some reason, in our minds, we think saying it's going to make us feel better. And it does the complete opposite. It opens the door for the devil to do more. If she had continued on that course, she would not have changed. She would have stayed on it and just kept sailing on it, sick, miserable. You know, turn to James 3, 2, 5. This is an excellent example of what this woman did. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. But look at this part. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. She used her words to turn that rudder in a different direction when she needed it the most. Um, and I gave this example to them next, uh, next door. How many, how many of you guys have ever been on a cruise ship? Or you've ever seen one? They're huge. They're giant. Um, and this example in the Bible says the rudder is actually pretty small and can cause it to turn. Well, one, I've been able to go in and, like, see the, the wheel. I'm, with a lot of technology today, they've kind of changed some things, but some of the earlier ships, they have these huge wheels. 
And when they want to turn somewhere, you know, they have to turn it quite a bit. They have to turn it a lot. It's not like turn it just a tiny bit and then the boats, you know, it's not like your Honda, <laughs> you know, it's real perky and you turn a little bit and you're, you know, you're going a different direction. It takes some time. And, you know, sometimes that's the grace of God. It can take some time when we use our words. And Pastor Greg had said this when he ministered um, a few weeks ago. It can take some time when we use our words. That is the grace of God in action. Because think about all the times when you're loose with your words and you're saying things that aren't good. Aren't you glad that it didn't happen immediately? Have you ever screwed up a project and been like, I'm going to kill myself? You know, you just say something completely idiotic. Like, oh, shoot me now. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I'm sure we've all thought it or said it. It's the grace of God (laughs) that our words, you know, they don't produce boom immediately. But they will. (laughs) They will. But it can take time. So don't, you know, don't start. See, she's on this. She's going in the direction of sickness and she's like, I got to turn. What did she use? Her words. She used her words. She's turning that wheel. And she continued to use it. I guarantee you, while she was on that journey, she's like, this is my answer. You know, I am going to get healed. When, when I touch him, I, I'm just going to get what I'm going to get a part of his clothes. And it's just going to be done. She's pumping herself up. She's using her words. I guarantee you she knew what the word said. She knew. You've got to have the word in you. You've got to know who God is. She knew. She knew who the God of the Bible was. She knew. She used her words just like God used his words. And what she's doing, she was turning that wheel and turning that wheel, turning that wheel. And, and like I said, all, everything she felt was complete opposite. Every, all the pressure was there to say something else. But her, her mouth started that wheel turning. And when she got to him, that ship started turning. And boom, she touched him. It was done. She was out of that. She was in a whole different sea. She wasn't in that sea anymore. She was over here going a completely different direction. Amen? So it's important. Don't give up when you're saying the right thing. You know, you, you might even feel like I'm lying. <laughs> you know, you might even feel weird saying some things that are complete opposite of your situation. When I have that situation where I say something and it's, to me, it's almost like it's just not landing, not connecting. I just simply ask the Holy Spirit, what do I need to say? Because I need a different outcome. So Ask him, what do you need to say? What is going to help you to remember to say what, what connects your heart? I'm not saying you feel it. it you're, you're probably not going to feel it, especially if it's, if it's sickness and it's something that's constantly aggravating you. You're not necessarily going to feel anything. Um, but the power is there if you will... Ask the Holy Spirit, and he will. He's, he's, always, he's there to help you with everything. Yeah. 
Ask him. Just ask him. Holy Spirit, what should I say? What can I say, you know, to get myself in faith for whatever the situation is? Just ask. He's waiting on you. He's truly waiting on you. He wants to help you. Amen? He wants to help you with every situation. You know, we're, we're supposed to have victory in every situation. We're not supposed to be living down here as a bunch of martyrs. We are supposed to have victory. Amen? The power's in the word, and it's in our words, but we've got to get in the word and find out what it is, find out who God is, um, get yourself stirred up. You know, we say this all the time, but when you read these stories, these people didn't just go out there and just do this. They were in the word. They knew God. They knew what the word of God said, and they used it. They used their words to make something change in their lives. They, they, they used their words, and it opened the door for God's power to just flood in and change their situation. Turn to Mark eleven twenty three. We all know this one really, really, really well. Or 11, 22. No, 23. All right. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. It says, does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. You can have what you say. You might not feel it, but you can have what you say. And like I said several times, you know, it's not, I'm just going to spout off something and I'm not going to have my heart connected. Ask the Holy Spirit. He'll give you something. He'll help you connect your heart so that, and, and, and it may be rough sledding at first, but how does faith come? It comes by hearing. Exactly, Masaris. It comes by hearing. There's something that happens when you hear yourself. How many times have you ever had a problem you needed to solve and you just started talking it out loud to yourself? How many times? does Just like, boom, there's the answer. You, something happens. God's designed us to operate that way. That power is available and we just have to to take advantage of it. So that's all I have tonight. But remember the steward. Remember the talents. Remember we have to steward our words. We will give an answer for it one day. It's the easiest, most every single day thing that we can prove to God that we're faithful with. Every single person, no matter what your calling is, 
You will give an answer for what did you do with the words I gave you? What did you do? And you have to, have to be intentional, purposeful. Because if you're not, you're just going to use them to comment, to reflect, to socialize. And, you know, like I said, socialize, comment, reflect. But make sure that's not all you're doing. Check up on yourself. You know, there's a lot of things that we're, we're personally missing out on, and we have the answer. It's very, very, very simple. It's not hard. God designed this to not be difficult. We have such easy, easy access to his power. Amen. Visit us online at www.com.